John chapter 8. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Believe with me today. Hallelujah. Believe with me for strength for me, ability for me. Amen. I've been praying for you all week. Glory to God. Amen. And of course, for his grace and unction and anointing on me to to be a blessing to you, to feed you the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So we're at John chapter 8. And let's bow our head and pray. Father, we, we come to this moment where we get into the word. And I just, you seem to be emphasizing to me what you said to Peter. You said, Peter, do you love me? He said, of course, you know I do. And he said, well, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Then the third time again, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Father, I just so thank you that these redeemed, blood-bought people, they are the apple of your eye. They are sons and daughters, members of the kingdom, beloved, and you're their father. And you love them. So help me bless them. Help me to empower them. Help me to edify them. Glory to God. Help them, Father, to receive the engrafted word, which you said is able to save their soul, renew their mind, and birth faith in their hearts. Lord, I continue to pray for those that you have placed under my charge, my oversight under you, Jesus, that there wouldn't be any fainting, there wouldn't be any quitting, but no, we're just waxing stronger and stronger until the last day, that you are glorifying yourself in each one of us, in what you do for us, in what you do through us. And so we thank you, Father, for being glorified through your word today. We look to you, Holy Spirit. Anything you want to do or say, we're open to that. We're not just a word people. We're a Holy Ghost people. We're a Spirit-born people. A Spirit-filled people. A Spirit-led people. And so we want you to know, Holy Spirit, you have liberty and room to move as you would see fit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're just starting with us, uh, brand new, then uh, you've come at a good time. We just started a new series last week at the Lord's Direction that I'm calling The Truth That Sets You Free. Amen. Or The Truth Will Set You Free. And uh, so you could go back to last week's if you missed that on our podcast, on our website, all those different places. We're out there on almost every social venue you could think of. And uh, praise God, that wouldn't cost you nothing to catch up with us. Glory to God. But we're here as a text, as a golden text, using John chapter 8. Words from Jesus. Amen. And we'll pick it up in verse number 30. And it says, And he, Jesus, spoke these words, or as he did, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth will what? The truth will make you free. Hallelujah. Or we say set. Amen. Now knowing the truth, there's something he's obviously implying here that we want to clarify. Knowing the truth won't set you free. It's the truth you know and act on. It's the truth you know and incorporate into your life. And when you do that, it will make you free. Hallelujah. 
And uh, do you know that uh, even as a Christian that you're not as free right now today as you could be? No, I'm free. I'm free totally. No, you're not. And I'm not either. To be free totally would imply that you know and are walking in all the truth. Anybody want to claim that? I don't. Amen. But it's, it's good news. As, as far as God has brought me and my walk with God, it's great to know that I have the Holy Spirit in me. Amen. You have the Holy Spirit in you. I'll just quote John 16, 13. He said, when the spirit of truth, what is he? He's the spirit of truth. That's who he is. When he comes and he has come, he will lead us. He will guide us. What? Into all the truth. Praise God. So part of the uh, assignment and the passion of the Holy Spirit in you is to bring you, to guide you into all truth. And as we yield to him, as we look to him, as we cooperate with him, then we'll come into ever greater degrees of truth. And that means we're going to come into ever greater degrees of freedom and liberty. Hallelujah. You know, some of the truths the Holy Spirit has brought me into is radically, absolutely changed my life. You know, obviously it begins by being born again and, and uh, coming to Jesus and being born anew and coming into a relationship with him. But that's really, that's paramount, but it's a beginning. Amen. And then you're, you're his son then, you're his daughter then, and now you've got him by the hand. He's got you by the hand, ought to. And he just wants to escort you into the fullness of truth because he wants you walking and living in full liberty. You know, it took me a while. I was, uh, I was raised in a secular home, a good home, a loving home, a moral home, a sweet home. Uh, but, uh, and of course, my home, as you know, was broken when I was about uh, 11 or 12. And, uh, but anyway, even in that, you know, um, we had sweet people, but we didn't pray over our food. The Bible was not a part of our home. We didn't go to church on Sunday. And yet, you know, I always knew there was a God. I, I lived a lot acting like I didn't know there was a God, but I always knew there was. And then I got, I got saved and then I really got committed. And, uh, but I had no framework, no basis of understanding, nothing that would tell me with any confidence or authority what God's mind or heart or will or attitude was for me as his child regarding healing. And when I did start going to church, they acted like precious brothers and sisters, precious church family. They acted like they didn't know either. What God's mind or heart or attitude was regarding the healing of our bodies. Amen. But as I stayed in the word, what did he say? As you continue in my word. That's just such a key. Amen. We've got to stay in, continue in his word. And the Holy Spirit who authored the word and lived in us will teach us the word, highlight the word, bring us into the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I had to overcome all my ignorance, all of my questions, all of my natural experiences. Where, Like my granddads, I watched both of them die, horrific, torturing deaths at the hands of cancer, stomach and pancreatic. And uh, so, you know, I had no framework, but God began to enlighten his word to me. Bit by bit. 
And like many of you, as I got a little bit of light, I, I had questions. Right? Well, what about this? And what about that? But you know what I found? The Bible will answer all your questions. We've got this idea in some Christian circles that uh, having unanswerable questions is just part of living the Christian life. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that God has given us his spirit that we might freely know all of the things that have been given to us by God. Amen. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6 that my people, God's saying my people, they perish. That word in the Hebrew is literally cut off. They're cut off because of a lack of knowledge. I'm just telling you, it's okay to have questions. I have quest- had questions and I have questions today about a great many things. But you'll, you'll just find out if you'll keep seeking and talking to the Lord and look into your spirit, amen, and study his word, he will answer all your questions about the key things in this life. Well, as we talked about last week, if, a, if the truth will set you free, what will a lie do? A lie will bind you up. A lie will keep you bound. A lie will keep you bound. And so did you know it's a lie, it's not my subject today, but it's a lie that God would put sickness on you for any reason. It's just a total lie. It's a lie that healing's passed away. That's a lie. You know, we have government agencies that, you know, in every state, that if we find out abuse is going on, The state has authority to come into that home and take those children and remove them from that environment, as we should. Well, I mean, come on, you know, you you take this logic about, you know, well, God will, he will put a sickness on you to teach you something. Well, that's like, you know, lighting up the stove real hot red, because today, Emma, we're going to learn the lesson that the stove is hot. So we got to teach you this lesson that the stove is hot. We get that thing orange glowing red and... Daddy Russell, he, he says, okay, sweet, here we go. And sears her hand on the hot stove. Well, she learned the lesson, didn't she? Yeah. That the stove is hot. But what's DHS going to do? That's called abuse. And yet we extrapolate that and says God does this kind of thing to his kids. Nothing could be further from the truth. Hallelujah. Well, that's not what I believe. Well, it's not what I used to believe. But you have to ask yourself, what's true? Amen. And again, this, this, this is where we, you know, we can have trouble. We can all have trouble because we can come up and a lot of the things that we have formed our belief, we all have a belief system. And it all came from somewhere. You have to ask yourself, where did what you believe come from? Well, it's just the way it is in my house. That doesn't make it true. It's the way we, we Cody's, we've always done it. That doesn't make it right. Again, I use this analogy a lot because it makes the point. You know, some of the, the leading scientists uh, on the earth for centuries believed that the earth was flat. And they would flat persecute you if you taught or thought or espoused anything different. But guess what? They were wrong. And we need to, you know, as we approach the truth, 
and seeking the truth, we need humility. We need to be humble. And we need to be teachable. Because none of us are seeing everything correctly. And then the big, the big enchilada, the big question is, well, where do I go for, for, to find truth? Well, that's what I go to school for. Oh, oh. Yeah, I don't know about all that. They teach evolution all kinds of lies in school today. Well, the, the media, we know that's not right. Well, we go to Encyclopedia Britannica. Well, how many editions have they put out and had to change stuff? Science. Well, science. Science is imperfect. Amen. Let's go. We're here in John. Let's go to John 17. And let me show you where you can go to find absolute truth. Praise the Lord. John 17, verse number 17 says, thank God, Jesus is praying to God his Father about us. And he says, sanctify them through thy truth. What's he say after that? Your word is truth. Lot of persecute, lot of uh, the casting of doubt. Of course, the Bible's always been under assault. Amen. Men have tried to call it just another book. And yet the thing is, it's just right. It's right scientifically. It's right botanically. It's right historically. It's right archaeologically. It's right in everything it said about the cosmos, about the about creation. Never been proved wrong. Oh, Pastor, come on. That that Bible you got there, it's full of contradictions. Not one. Not a single one. One time years ago, just for fun, I, I googled contradictions in the Bible and I printed out one that claimed, uh, a, a website that claimed 100 absolute uh, Bible contradictions. Amen. And I haven't even had the privilege of going to seminary and, and to a formal Bible school. It took me about half an hour to debunk all of their stuff from the Word. Amen. Misconstrued, out of context, not taken, you know, from the original language. Listen, there's not a single flaw. There's not a single contradiction in the Bible anywhere. The Bible's a book of prophecy. It makes bold claims. You could read one prophet, his name was Daniel. He prophesied a year and a day where the Messiah would have to be in Jerusalem on a donkey and then cut off or killed. That's what that means. And do you know, if you do the study, I've done it, you do the study, hundreds of years before it ever happened, Daniel prophesied to the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and was cut off. How do you explain that? I said, how do you explain that? Only God. Only God. Amen. So again, if you doubt the authority, the veracity the perfection of the Bible, you need to go to the archives and get my series called The Word of God. And I spent weeks proving to this congregation, amen, that the Word of God is the inspired Word of God, perfect, without flaw, proven and authenticated on many levels again and again and again and again and again and again. 
And it's happening almost every week right before our eyes. Amen. Amen. So going forward now in this series, I'm assuming that you have at least some respect for the Bible as God's word. Amen. And so the Lord had put it on my heart uh, to tackle some of the pervading lies. Amen. That uh, at times try to creep into the church or that are popular in the world. Amen. To make sure that we aren't believing lies because they'll blind us and they will bind us. But it's the truth that sets us free. Amen. Amen. And I was a little surprised, to be honest with you, about uh, what God put on my heart to share today. But I couldn't get away from it, so I'm just going for it. Amen. I know I'll probably be preaching to the choir, but there might be someone in here today who has heard this, thought this, wondered this, or someone watching online. So it'll help somebody. Amen. Amen. God's never wrong. So really we're going to attempt to tackle two lies, but the main one we're going to attempt to tackle today is the question, are there many paths to God? Are there many paths to God? Deacon Russell, he said no, so we're dismissed. That's it. He's got the right answer. Have a great day. But how many of you have heard the phrase, there are many roads to God. There are many paths to God. Out there in the world, I know you're not living it, you're living in the world, but hopefully you're not, you know, you're not of it. But it is an increasingly accepted and popular idea that it doesn't matter what road a human takes, it's going to lead them to God and acceptance with God. And major, major cultural, political icons and figures of our day espouse this. You can go on YouTube and hear Miss Oprah Winfrey say absolutely that any and every road you take will lead you to God and to acceptance with God. President Barack Obama believes this. That there are are many roads to God. Whatever faith you want to go or even no faith will lead you to God. I've not picked it on these, but they're just major examples. I've, I've seen nuggets this week just in doing my research of mainstream uh, preachers cozying up with the idea that it's possible that God will use other faiths like Islam or Hinduism or even Judaism to bring people to acceptance to God. So is this true? What does the Bible say? Okay, y'all say no, so that's it. We don't have to... Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we want to we wanna tackle it a little bit, all right? So we're, gonna, we're here in John. We will be in John and out of John all day today. So uh, John 14. And I just want to point you to several scriptures. Because as Christians, we want to believe the truth, and the truth is in his word. Amen. And so, you know, many of you, you're, you're spouting the right answer, right? No, but... Do you have the scriptures to back it up? Amen. Here is one of what many who like to believe that there are many roads to God uh, greatly criticize this statement for. John 14, 6. John 14, 6. I'll read it from my Amplified Translation. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one, Notice that. 
No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, people that want to embrace the idea that there are many roads to God, they claim that this is one of the most arrogant, presumptive, excluding statements ever made by a religious founder or leader. Well, let's think about that. Yes, it would be arrogant. It would be the height of pride, right? If it wasn't true. The problem is, it is true. You know, my, my son right now, he's big into all things sports, football, basketball. Right now it's basketball season, so he's big into that. And he, he will tell me all the statistics about statistically who the greatest is. You know, and uh, like Steph Curry, he is the greatest three-point shooter of all time, basketball history. Well, stats, you know, prove that out, okay? And so if Brother Steph Curry came in here today and said, I am the best, Three-point shooter in all of NBA history. You might go, man, you're arrogant. Problem is, it's true. It is true. Amen. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And he is the life. Now, if that is not true, then the Bible is a lie. John wrote a lie. He quoted Jesus who would be a liar. Amen. But, come on. It is true. And God proved it to be true in that he raised him from the dead. Over and over again in the Bible, God uh, takes the points to the resurrection as proof and all the assurance any human being should need to know that what Jesus claimed to be, what he espoused to be, he is. Because uh, Buddha died and is dead. And we're not, not being disrespectful. Not being, Muhammad died and is dead. And Jesus died and was dead, but is alive forevermore. I, if I have to pick between a dead Buddha or a dead Muhammad I, and, a, and an alive Jesus, then I'm going to go with the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus said that the Son of Man must be mistreated. He said he must be betrayed into the hands of evil men. He said he would be crucified. He said he would die and be buried. He said that he would be raised from the dead on the third day. And all of it, including the resurrection, amen, happened just like he said he did. So if Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, amen, then he is. Let's leave John and go back to Matthew for just a minute. In Matthew chapter 7. 
Now, the other little lie that we'll tackle in the midst of answering this question, are there many roads to God? We'll tackle this lie of universalism. Now, among liberal sects and parts of Christianity, universalism has already been embraced in the Christian world. And it's infecting more and more and more of mainstream Christianity and denominations. You may not know that, but you need to know that. This is a right, a, a, a false, this is a doctrine of devils that is increasingly popular in the Christian world. Why? Because one of the things that's going to happen with the tribulation and the Antichrist is a one world government under a one world faith. And everything is pressing to make there be this melding of all the world's faiths into one. And the preparation for that, the setting of the stage of that has been well underway. Amen. So this, this is a powerful passage in uh, Matthew chapter 7. Let's pick it up in verse 12. It says, Therefore all things what's, that whatsoever you would that men would do to you, do even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. That's the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now notice what Jesus said. He said, Enter you in at the straight gate. Now, I have my King James Bible. What does yours say? The narrow gate. Enter you in at the narrow or the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Verse 14. Because straight is the gate, or narrow is the gate, and narrow is the way, or difficult, is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. This proves from the Bible, right, that all roads do not lead to God. Are you with me? They, you can't be a Bible believer and accept that lie. We, Jesus instructs us, enter into the narrow gate. Uh, this, this word, as I've studied it, it means it's, it's, uh, it's small, it's constricted, amen, as something that would be easily unnoticed or you could just pass it by. There's nothing inviting about this gate or this entrance to this path. And then when you get on it, it goes on and calls it uh, constricted and difficult. And it's not well-traveled. In fact, few, amen, you'll find few people walking this road, traveling this road. And he compares that to the broad gate, the wide gate. Wide is the gate, and it says easy. Easy is the way that leads to I read translations that said eternal destruction, uh, eternal misery, eternal damnation, destruction, death. Let me pause there and just back up. Do all roads lead to God? I'm going to say, you know, in one sense, we have to make sure we all are on the same page about what we're asking. In one sense, all roads do lead to God. In the sense that every human being on this earth, every professing Christian, dedicated Christian, atheist, agnostic, 
um, just absolute rebel or sincere Hindu or New Ager or whatever life course they take, they will die and they will face God. So in that sense, all roads lead to God, to a moment of judgment with God. What people say, what they mean when they say, do all roads lead to God? You know what they mean. They mean they lead to God and acceptance with God, salvation from God, entrance into God's abode. That's the question we're asking. Well, this this passage tells us absolutely not. Absolutely not, right? Let me read this from just a couple of different translations. The Phillips New Testament says, go in, verse 13, by the narrow gate. For the wide gate has a broad road which leads to disaster. And there are many people going that way. Young people, I know what it's like when I, about sixth, seventh grade, I made it my mission in life to be popular with the in crowd at my school. That was my mission. I woke up, I went to school, went to bed thinking about what I need to do, who do I need to curry up with and gain favor with to get in with that crowd. And, uh, you know, if you're not careful, you could take that junior high peer pressure mindset all the way through your whole life. And you want to be in the, here's a popular word in our day, mainstream. What do you, where is mainstream going to go? Where's it going to lead? Where's Main Street? Where's that going to take everybody? To destruction, to disaster, to, to death. Yeah. Wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to disaster, and there are many people going that way. Don't go the way of the many. Don't live the way of the many. Don't believe the way of the many. Because you know, there's nothing wrong. I mean, it just sounds great, right? This, this describes this road that I picture like a brand new California freeway. Six lanes going one direction, right? And I mean, I've been out there and it is, you know, packed, right? And even when there's no accidents and the traffic is flowing, but I mean, it's bumper to bumper, six lanes of traffic. It's, I mean, everybody's on this road. Right? And, and it's, it'll, it, that, why, are, why is everybody on that road? Because it's easy. It's the easiest way, the fastest way to get where they want to go. It's attractive. The on-ramps, the off-ramps, you know, the vehicles you see, the people you get to interact with. The only thing wrong with the wide gate, the easy road, is the destination. And you can have a lot of fun and a lot of friends on your way to hell. You'd be really popular, have a lot of followers on Instagram. Amen. I mean, drink it up, sleep it around, you know, whatever, and just have a great time on your way to hell. But I'm telling you, friends, it's, it's not worth losing your soul. For eternity. Phillips goes on and says, The narrow gate and the hard road lead out into life, and only a few are finding it. 
So going back to our original question, will all be saved? Will God accept ultimately all people into his heaven? No. In fact, it's not only going to be, it's not going to be 50-50. It's not going to be 75-25. I don't know what it's going to be. But it will fit with these words because they're true. Few. Few. Few will walk the road that leads to life. You know, what road are you walking? What path are you on? A lot of people think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to travel the fun road and as I slip off in old age into death, I'm going to take the off-ramp onto the narrow gate. Right. Well, I guess you could, but that's a dangerous way to live, my friend. I said, that's a, you never know that there will be an off-ramp position right at the time you want to grab one. Hallelujah. Dr. Kenneth Wiest, his uh, Greek New Testament of uh, Matthew 7, 13 reads this way. Enter through the narrow gate because broad is the gate and spacious is the road. The one that leads away to ruin and everlasting misery. And many there are who are constantly entering through it. Because narrow is the gate and compressed is the road. That one that, uh, that leads away into life. And few there be who are finding it. Amen. Amen. Again, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but listen. You, you go to work. You interact with people. You have family and friends. They live out here in this culture. And there's all kind of roads or paths that they've convinced themselves in their own minds and thinking will lead them to acceptance with God. You know, one of the paths is uh, of obviously these different religions, okay? But most people out there that are not serving God and know Jesus and walk in this narrow path, they're walking the good works path. They, They have taken, let me tell you what road they're on. They're on the road called I'm a good person avenue. I'm a good person avenue. And they really think that that road will lead them to salvation and eternal life. They, they sincerely believe it. Problem is, they are believing a lie. What do lies do? They blind and they bind. And they're not free. Even Jesus on the earth refused the compliment good. Someone came up to him and called him good sir, good teacher. And he said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. Amen. See, we're so quick as humans to call ourselves good. Yeah. When the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. All have turned aside. All have gone the wrong way. A man's righteousness apart from Jesus is as filthy rags in God's sight. The human heart is, apart from Jesus, is lost, dark, evil, and depraved. My mother, God rest her soul, 
She took, for the most of her life, she walked the I'm a good person path. And she would say, as I witnessed to her, she would say, make statements to me like this, like, well, Chris, I, you know, I know you, you believe in a literal hell, and of all those, those little Muslim kids, and they're in that, and that's all they've been taught, and if they're going to, they just have a sincerely held belief, and if they die in that, and they go to hell, then I'm going to go to hell with them. Because I don't want to go to, you know, serve a God that would let them go to hell. Well, doesn't that sound sweet? Doesn't that sound nice? But it's totally based in lies. I read to you in Romans chapter eight, uh, 1. We're not, we don't have time to go there again. But if you want to go back there and read Romans 1, 18 through the end of the chapter, he says, every single person on the earth is without excuse as it is in their walk toward God because even those that deny God, they have God in their face all the time. Sunshine, mountains, rivers, streams, animals, plants, all scream there is a God. Pastor, we accept that. It's just about how we worship God that's just different for some people and that's okay with God. No, it's not because Muhammad didn't get done for them, for humanity, what needed to be done, which is the propitiation of their sin. Muhammad, he didn't die for a race. He didn't die, uh, you know, as a sacrifice to pay for humanity's sins. And even if he claimed to, which he didn't, he's not qualified because he's a sinner himself. There's only one Jesus. Jesus isn't trying to be exclusive. But God provided a plan, a way for humanity to leave sin and death in the curse. Amen. And he provided it through one man. Amen. And that one man, Jesus, did for us what no one else could have done. Because he was not the seed of Adam himself. He didn't have any inherent sin himself to have to be accountable for so therefore he's the only human being that ever lived that ever lived that could qualify to die and to pay for sin for humanity right hallelujah glory to God go to Acts chapter 4 we're doing good on time we're not we're not going to go much further but I want to you know, part of my job, y'all, is to, we teach you a lot of things. Amen. We want to empower you to live in victory, receive your healing, hear from God. But we have to be equipped yes. to know the truth doctrinally Amen. and to know what we believe and why we believe it. Right. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. Be it known unto all of you. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man, talking about the man that was healed, stand here before you whole. This, talking about Jesus, is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there, notice this, you might mark this, neither is there salvation in any other. Is there salvation in any other? Neither is there salvation in any other. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby men could be saved or must be saved. There's only one. There's only one name. There's only one way. Why won't being a good person and taking that path, I mean someone who's sincere and they really give it their best effort their whole life long to be a good person, why wouldn't that be enough for God? They're still sinners. By nature, they're still sinners. They may be better sinners morally than other sinners, but they're still sinners. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And you know, if you, if you probe deeper with any of these people who want to proclaim their own goodness, you could just, just bring up, this is why God gave us the Ten Commandments. So if someone says, oh, I'm a good person, we say, okay, well, hold on. Have you ever committed adultery? No, no, of course not. Are you telling me you've never looked on a man? You've never looked on a woman? Not to any of the smallest degree and lusted after them? Well, you know, I'd have to say that everybody probably does that at one time or another. Well, then what's that make them, according to Jesus? An adulterer. Have you ever told a lie? No, never. I've never told a lie. Come on. You, you mean you've never even just withheld some vital information that would make you look bad or get you in trouble? You never told even the whitest of little lies? Well, of course, you know, I think everybody does that, right? Well, what's that make you then? A liar. And if you were to go through with that, that good person, the Ten Commandments, it's likely they've broken all of the Ten Commandments many times over. And so when, they, when you confront the sinner with their sin and the reality, amen, that it just takes one sin to damn the soul, amen, then that's, what, that's the kind of conversation we have to be able to have with people to help them get to see their true condition before the eyes of a holy God. Because who needs salvation if they don't think they need to be saved from anything? There's a lot of precious people out there really taking the I'm a good person road and it's one of the lanes that leads to death and to destruction. Amen? Do you know even Judaism? Judaism, you know what I mean? The Jews. You know, what, what, what do they practice? They practice the law of the prophets. We share, amen, the roots of our faith. The only difference between us and them is we have recognized and accepted Jesus as the Messiah. But do you know that them just, we have everything else pretty much in common, right? But, and they could practice Judaism, I mean, be a Pharisee's Pharisee, like Paul was before he got saved. And you know where they're going to end up? They're going to end up in hell like everybody else. There's only one name under heaven by which a man could be saved. Amen. Amen. I'll just quote this one to you. I'm about to close it here. 1 John 5, 12, you write that reference down. It says, he that has the son has life. 
And he that does not have the Son of God does not have life. Period. End of story. You either have the Son or you don't have the Son. Amen. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. I will have you turn here. Mark 16. Praise the Lord. Mark 16. So there is only one road that leads to salvation, and that's Jesus. Here's another road people have trusted in. I'm a member of a church. I'm a member of World Harvest Church. I signed my paper, went to the class, had the meal, was laid hands on by the pastors. Come here, I tithe. I serve, I pray over them on my food. I'm going to heaven. Not if that's all you've done. You know, amen. You know, going to the barn doesn't make me a cow. And going to church doesn't make you a Christian. A lot of other, just some things I was confronted with in my study this week that I hadn't really thought of, you know, but uh, praise God. You know, if you just raised your hand at the preacher's invitation and put it back down, that's, that's not getting saved. Now, we, we do that. We do that around here, right? But then we give you an opportunity after that to give your, to repent of your sin, forsake your sin, release your faith, and take Jesus as your Savior. If you don't do that from all your heart, the fact that you filled out a card doesn't matter. The fact that you raised your hand, do you know even saying, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, that won't get you there either? You know, demons recognize Jesus as the Son of God, and that didn't save them. You have to give your life to Him. You have to repent of your sin and believe the gospel. What will happen, I have us here in Mark 16, to, uh, to remind us what will happen to the unbeliever. They just get off scot-free? Hell is so bad and God is so merciful that even the unbeliever will be accepted one day. That's what universalism believes. Is it true? No. no, not true. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes, did you notice that? He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. That's what will happen to the one who chooses not to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, not paying attention, that's not enough to keep you out of hell. The fact that a Christian was quiet and didn't share the gospel with you, that won't keep you out of hell either. Now, the one who was supposed to tell you and didn't will answer to God for that. But this is why, friends, it is so vitally important that we tell the good news to others while there's still time. Did you hear me? 
Amen. Word of faith, spirit-filled churches like ours have shunned, for the most part, our responsibility to witness to sinners about Jesus. We're fat on faith and we're fat on the blessing. But we're real skinny on witnessing. And we need to fix that. Amen. You need to let your light shine. And we need to speak up. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would, what what does God require? Believes upon him. Shall not perish. What if you don't believe on him? You got no other road to travel, friend, than to perish. He that believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Amen? You know, so universalism, all paths lead to God, is a lie. Don't ever fall for it. Don't ever believe it. Don't let your family fall for it. Amen? God is love. He is. And hell is bad. There's a lesson coming on that soon. Amen. Hell is awful and it is eternal. It's as eternal as heaven is eternal. How do you square hell? Well, God created hell for the devil and his angels, not for people. But when people deny the Father, they choose not to believe and to take Jesus for themselves. Then they go where the devil goes. They go where the devil's angels will go. It's terrible. But you can't put that off on, uh, you know, God not being love because someone ends up in hell. You know, here's another reason, Paula, why uh, universalism can't be right. If universalism is right, Carly, then uh, God will override every human being's free will. Kara. I don't know why I did that. Your daughter's Carly, right? That's why. But is God going to make people go to heaven? He would have to override people's free will to make them. You know, some people, I've, I've heard testimonies, in their, as they die and slip off into eternity, they curse God. They curse God. You wouldn't think people could be that evil. And Satan have them so bound up and taken over. They don't want God. They don't want God. They, they curse God as they slip off into hell. God is not going to make anyone go to heaven and be with him. Salvation is a choice. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I think that's enough. Praise God. About all my body can take. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for truth and light. Thank you for God. There's so many scriptures. We could have stayed here till mid-afternoon going over the scriptures. You make it so plain in your word that without the Son...